Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative and creative individuals who are shaping the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in ranch brokerage and land conservation, or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time up high in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, adventurers, pretty much anyone who's doing important work and has an interesting story to tell. My guest today is Mark Majori. Mark is an artist who has taken the Western art scene by storm with his dramatically realistic paintings of cowboys, horses, landscapes, and scenes from the American West. But painting is only a small part of Mark's journey as a professional artist. He's also an accomplished director, filmmaker, drawer, photographer, and musician, and he's worked for companies like Disney as an illustrator, and he's fronted a major label rock band. To make his story even more interesting, Mark was born and raised in France and is a relative newcomer to the western United States. When he was 15, Mark took a road trip across America with his adventurous uncle, igniting his passion for western landscapes and planting a seed for his western art career that would flourish two decades later. Between then and now, he's demonstrated an uncanny ability to dive headfirst into a wide array of artistic endeavors with single-minded focus and work ethic, enjoying success at every level. A little over three years ago, at age 36, all of Mark's talents and experiences melded together when he decided to try and paint his first cowboy. In what he describes as an epiphany, Mark immediately knew that he had found his true identity as an artist. Mark and I had a fun conversation. We did our best to cover his prolific career in what seemed like a very short amount of time. We talked about all the stages of his career and how he has approached each one with a laser-like focus and uncompromising work ethic. Mark explains how he discovered his talent for drawing, a talent that he had no idea he possessed until after he was enrolled in art school. We also chat about how being new to America has afforded him a fresh perspective on the people and landscapes of the American West, which shine through in all of his paintings. He gives details on his workmanlike approach to painting and ensuring the historical accuracy of his work and how exercise helps to fuel his creativity and work ethic. As usual, we talk about his favorite books, documentaries, and the craziest thing that's ever happened to him in the outdoors, which is a pretty ridiculous story. Be sure to check out the webpage for links to all of Mark's work, for information on his upcoming solo show in Los Angeles, and everything else we discuss in this episode. Hope you enjoy. So the way that I start out these interviews is I ask people, if you meet somebody for the first time, never met them before, and they ask you, what do you do? How do you answer that? Mm. Uh, well, I, I'm 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 stoked because I actually now have an answer. Uh, There's <laughs> <laughs> been like 15 years of my life when I didn't have an answer because I was doing too many things, and it's so funny that you're asking that because it always been something back then that was kind of like uh, bugging me. I was like, damn, I mean, what am I? Like, <laughs> am I a, a singer? Am I a director? Am I a photographer? Am I an artist? Am I what is it? So, and kind of like it's, yeah, the last 15, 20 years, I've been trying to narrow down to, to the one thing that I, I, I should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, it was hard cause you, you know, I, I was passionate with so many things. And, um, so I, basically now say I'm a fine art painter mm-hmm. 
which because uh, I figured in America when you say painter, a lot of people think that you're painting walls. Yeah, uh, especially because I have long hair, beard, and usually dirty pants. So they're like, "Yeah, this guy is," and I have an accent. <laughs> yeah, this guy, this guy is, uh, is a painter for houses. So I precise fine art, and then they're like, "Oh, what are you doing? Uh, what will you paint?" And I go, "Well, I paint cowboys." Oh, really? That's interesting. <laughs> so yeah, that that's how it starts. Uh, yeah, and uh, but yeah, it, it, it always been a it always been a, a thing. Like I, I used to do a lot of, of different things, and uh, I wouldn't be able to answer. So I was for a long time I was saying artist, mm-hmm. but, um, but I always thought artist wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So here I am, a fine art painter. Well, I think I think artist is a perfect uh, description because when I was you know researching your background and looking into it, I feel like you've done just about every single thing that an artist could do. You've painted, you do photography, drawing, filmmaking, directing, music. Um, it's pretty cool. And I want to get into all that, but I think the first thing I want to talk about is what we were talking about just before we started recording that you and I share a, a challenge, um, with our, my Eastern North Carolina accent and your accent. And when we show up in the West, sometimes people look at us and say, you know, where are you from? So, so give us some, uh, give us, where'd you grow up? Um, I, I grew up in a small town called Fontainebleau. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the, the writing if you want, so you don't misspell it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, but yeah, it's like a, an hour south of Paris. Uh, so it's pretty central, but it, it is actually like one of the biggest forests in France. Um, and there is some really apparently amazing rock climbing, uh, that's going on out there, which I had no idea. It's somebody that, that rocks climbing in Yosemite who told me, dude, where you born is like the best place to rock climbing in Europe. <laughs> and I was like, what? And, uh, so yeah, apparently the, but I knew, I mean, the forest is pretty amazing. So I basically grew up there and I was just, um, Spending my childhood running, you know, in the woods and 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 being around trees. Uh, so yeah, and and then from there, I I moved to Paris when I, I went to art school uh, after my graduation high school. Got it. Uh, and I was in Paris, uh, city slicker. Yeah, yeah, that is city slicker. Um, so in between growing up in art school, I read that you and your family came to the U S and you did a cross country road trip from New York to the West coast. And that yeah. was your first introduction to the American West. So could yeah. you, could you talk a little bit about that trip and just kind of how, what, how that yeah. planted a seed for your career today? Yeah, exactly. Well, so, so the thing was America, cause everybody was asked, always asking like, what is it like? Why are you so fascinated with America? And um, it it's really started very young for me as um, like just playing um, with those little toys and and I had those little cowboys and and those things. It's always like the Western thing, like the the, the cowboy and the Indians when you're a kid. I mean, I guess it's a worldwide thing. Like pretty much every kid has been you know uh, influenced by that when when they were little boys. Uh, but then I started skateboarding when I was like, uh, I think nine years old, mm-hmm. it was really the beginning, you're talking like 1986. And, uh, th- there was some stuff in France and for some reason, the small town where I was in, like uh, in Fontainebleau, they, 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 they built a half pipe there when I was a kid. And there was this guy that probably came back from America and he, he brought back the skateboard in, in, in France and, uh, <laughs> 
and so there was a bunch of, of young guys in my town that were skateboarding. And so I, my sister was into it. And, and, and so I started a skateboard very young and, and starting to like, there was this shop that was ordering, you know, VH, VHS tape from America. It was like uh, the, the skateboarder, what's happening in California, the, all those things. And so I was just like watching that as a 10 years old. And, and so it was all, yeah, California, America, skateboard. That was my whole thing until I was 15. So for like six years, I was skateboarding every day constantly. Cool. And um, so, uh, yeah, my uncle um, my, I was decided to brought me and my cousin to America to do a, a cross-country road trip when I turned 15. And uh, that was an amazing present and, and an amazing uh, uh, thing it did for me because I, I had no idea what I was about to do and I was a little anxious because um, my parents were not really adventurous people. We, we always been to the same places and vacation, you know, yeah, yeah. every year, the same house and by the beach and very, you know, doing the same thing all the time. And all of a sudden I'm here and my uncle's like, yeah, hey, we'll just rent a car and just go. And I'm like, where do we go? Did your, did your uncle live oh, in the U.S.? Did he live in the U.S.? Uh, well, no, he was living in France, but he, he's always been very much like the opposite of my dad. He's my dad's brother. Okay. He's been traveling the world a lot. And so, yeah, he was way more adventurous. And, and I got really first anxious, but then, then I, I yeah, I, I, I find myself on the back, on the back seat of that car, just crossing the most beautiful landscape I've ever could imagine. And, and, and in particular, the Grand Canyon. Um, oh, yeah. Which I had no idea because back then what I was waiting for was we make it to San Francisco because I want to go to the van store and do some dance. <laughs> that was my whole thing. Like I didn't give a damn about everything else. But uh, at the end of the day, I saw the Grand Canyon and I saw Monument Valley and I saw Bryce Canyon and I, you know, we even stopped in Durango, Colorado. And I mean, all those things that I. I wasn't really paying attention back then. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it was planted in my head. And and when I saw the Grand Canyon again, when I was like 35, something happened. Like, it was like, a, kind of like something in my mind was just everything got together and, and the memories and, and it created this amazing inspirational thing and uh so that's it that's why i always talk about this trip as being like the beginning of my love for the west yeah it's amazing how several of the people that i've talked with on this podcast have had experiences as kids and they didn't really think about it and then 20 years 30 years later all their experiences kind of kind of come together and they look back on this some childhood experience they had and it all kind of makes sense and it sounds like that's what you did which is really cool um you mentioned wanting to go to the, the art supply store in in San Francisco. Were you always an artist as a kid? No, I think maybe I, I misdid it. I, I was talking about the vans, like the shoes, skate. Oh, vans, 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 vans. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my accent again. No, 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 no. no. You, you're perfect. Um, well, so you're you're obviously really good at skateboarding and obsessed with skateboarding. Were you also obsessed with art at that time, or was that something that came later? Nope, at all. And. Uh, but again, like when you think back, it was always like the graphics behind the skateboard. And I was so, yeah, I was always like dreaming about getting a new board and, and from different and they all had 
very cool artworks in the back. And so I guess this was my first uh, encounter with, with art, but, but really before, before art school, when I started art school, I was like 20. Before that, I, I wasn't exposed to art at all. And, uh, cause yeah, like my parents are, are, were both a teacher. My mom's like doctor in Greekish, Latin, ancient mythology. And my wow. dad, is, my dad's a philosopher. My parents were arguing about like on the dinner table about the, you know, Socrates and what he would have say or not say. Like, that's my, <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, but not really artistic. And my dad was working all the time. I, I barely seen my dad where he was always in his office working and uh, my mom was just doing everything. And uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I, I discovered pretty much everything when I went to art school. So what, uh, what made you want to go to art school versus if you really weren't into art all that much, what, what was the draw of art school? Well, so it's my uncle again, uh, the same guy. Um, and so I was... So after skateboarding, uh, I started playing music when I was 15 because uh, in America during that trip, my uncle bought us two tape in the gas station and it was Led Zeppelin 1 and Led Zeppelin 4. Wow. And, and so he was starting to teach us, you know, what's cool about music and because we were listening to Nirvana and stuff. And he was like, well, that's cool because Nirvana just released your album, never mind. Yep. Uh, but uh, he was like, ah, you need to know where that come from. So he bought us those Led Zeppelin tapes and we started to listen to Led Zeppelin. And same, that kind of like echoed. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to play guitar like that. <laughs> so back back in France, I started playing music. Uh, and I also find out the girls kind of like like you if you play guitar. So I was like, kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play guitar. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started playing guitar and then starting to be into music uh, like crazy. And I stopped skateboarding and I was just playing music. And I started the band, and um, and uh, yeah, it was that's what I was doing. And after graduation high school, I I, I just went into a, into a I didn't know what to do seriously. I just wanted to play music, and I I went to university for uh, history, like just history, because that was the only thing that I was okay with. Sure. And I did like a month there and I thought it was really boring and the students were, I don't know, there was nothing. I wasn't really into the thing. So I stopped and I went back home and my dad was like, what, what are you going to do? Like, you're not going to be a musician. Like, that is nothing. Like, and so I had like a six months of like battling with my parents about not knowing what I want to do. And I want to be a musician, but it's not a real job, blah, blah. I mean, that usual thing. Yeah. And then my uncle at a, at a family dinner was like, well, why don't you go to the, uh, to the Académie Julien, which is a very, very amazing art school in France that's been there until the 1876. Wow. Um, and it's like, you know, my, um, my, my wife did that school. And so you, you, you should look into that because, you know, it's not music, but it's art. And, you know, maybe you'll, you know, because I, I, I had interest for like graphic design and stuff like that back then too. And he's like, maybe you can do stuff that you actually going to like or discover. And so it was a private school. I mean, not for, yeah, it was a, you had to pay for going. Mm -hmm. Mainly schools in France are, are free, most of them. Uh, but this one was, you had to pay. So my parents were like, well, you can do a year of preparatory school. And if you, 
like it or good, maybe you should go to the um, uh, Art Deco, which is a, a very big art school too, but it's free. But it's a very hard, uh, um, how do you say, a contest to get in. Sure. So you need to be prepared. And so I did the first year in this art school and it uh, changed my life. I, I, I discovered that I had capacity to draw and, and paint and... And I, I hang out with amazing people and, and fall in love with an amazing girl that was so good at painting and, and she teached me so much and um, yeah, everything changed and um, it was amazing. And then at the end of the year, I did a contest for the, the Art Deco, mm-hmm. uh, but um, I got accepted, but I didn't want to go. I told my parents, okay, I got it. I did what you guys wanted me to do, but I want to stay in the school because it's the best for me. It was very, very military, kind of like so much work, like a huge discipline. And uh, it really worked for me. I needed that, like uh, having having my ha- my ass busted. <laughs> uh, so, uh, when you initially showed up there and they were instilling that discipline in you, did you take to that immediately or, or was there any pushback? Did you have any kind of negative reaction to it? At no, first? I, I, I took it like that. Cause my uncle warned me, it was like, this is a hard school. Like they're going to kick your ass. You mm-hmm. know, and, um, I was prepared. Like I told my band back then I was like, guys, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play again, you know, cause I'm doing the school. My parents are paying for it. You know, it, it wasn't. And I, I really, hey, I had a, I had a, a kind of a pressure to like please everybody first. That was the first thing. Like as a, you know, I think I was nineteen or something. Mm-hmm. Of the pressure, and and for some reason I wanted to impress everybody. And I, first my my parents and then my uncle. I was like, I'm I'm gonna show them that I can be really good at that, and I'm gonna do this really good. And uh, the beginning was super tough because I was really bad, and and there was some really good student. And, um, but I I I I, I, wo- I worked my way up. Well, you you've obviously got raw talent, but raw talent only takes you so far, in my experience. I mean, I think you're you're you've obviously got extremely um, good work ethic, and you're able to focus. Or mm-hmm. else you wouldn't have been able to, to make it as a professional artist. Um, mm-hmm. Was that a was the talent part of, uh, just a huge surprise when you got there? Because I mean, when you just started drawing and figured out, wow, I've had this hidden talent for nineteen years. I never knew I had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really kind of like happened over like three months, and because uh, I started the school in September, and I was so bad at the beginning, like. They make you do some crazy exercise. It was like painting, tracing stuff, and like like there was like live drawings. It's like academical drawing for like sitting for eight hours trying to you know to draw a plaster head, a head in plaster from like nineteen hundred. It it was just very difficult, and I didn't know. I had no references, and I just figured in the weekends I have to catch up. Mm-hmm. And, and every of my the guys around me that were good i started the spot who were, who were the best in the class there was like three or four of them and i was starting to hang out with them and try to understand and all those guys were into art for a long time already and i was just like going to museum and and studying you know dali and copying dali copying everything i could like working hard at night and then in December we had like a there was like a first exam for just like to see the first semester, 
And uh, it was like a three hours uh, uh, exercise on, on inside the class. And we had three hours to make an illustration. And they gave us a theme and, and we had to do an image. And I came up with something apparently pretty good. And uh, and the Monday morning when I show up, my, my drawing was hanging on the top of the main board where they put all the results with like the maximum mark on it. Oh, wow. And, and uh, the teacher was like, uh, we have... When he came to me and congrats me, I was like, wow, that's insane. And, and it was just uh, the beginning. And then from there, I started to be really trustful. And I, I was like, well, I guess I can do it. And and from that time, then I, I just started to, to become better and, and walk, walk my way up. And how long was the school? How many years? Uh, normally, it's five years, but I did four years because I, I I didn't do the the second year of preparatory. I went first. I went straight in the the first year. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and so when you got out, I read somewhere and correct me if this is wrong that you worked you worked for Disney for a while. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, the thing is, like, so the last year of school, uh, me and my friend, we were very interested in animation. Uh, the rest of the guys were into graphic design and typography that was mostly what was going on in school a lot of photography uh, nobody was doing illustration at, at the, the yeah, at the end of the school because at the beginning you learn drawing and then the more you go into school uh the more it becomes uh like uh yeah media oriented and all that um and so you, we we were really into animation and and there was those guys from the disney studio because disney studio was in paris too they were working on tarzan Okay, and they were trying to find young talents to come and do some uh, art artwork and stuff like that. So they were following me and my friend for like a year, coming to the school and and they giving us like exercise to do and to try to progress. And um, and at the other, I think one year before the end, I did an internship at Disney in uh, background color and and layout uh, drawing uh, for like two months. I was there, lockout. And that was my dream. Like, I just wanted to work for them. And the, the big picture was you're going to go to America to work there because, you know, you can probably do uh, development, like art development. Yep. And uh, so that was the, the big thing. So I did my, my final project of school. I did a two-minute animation thing. And um, the Disney people were like, well, we, we're going to send you to America. So that was the whole thing. And I was in a band back then. Uh, so it was a dilemma for me to be like, why well, should I keep doing the band or should I go work for Disney? But then the Disney guys were like, well, you have to actually have one year of professional experience in France before we can get your visa going to go to America. Mm -hmm. So how about we see you in a year, you, you know, do your thing and we see you in one year after you have one year of experience. And I was like, okay, so I guess I stay one more year here. And I got hired by a 3D studio. They were doing like music videos and stuff like that, really fun stuff. And I started to work like the character design and, and motion graphics and stuff like this. And uh, my band signed with Sony back then. So we started a tour everywhere. And so the project of Disney kind of fed up. Uh, and, and I, I told them after a year, like, I'm not interested anymore because I got too much going on. So was that the same band that you'd been with since you were yes. 15, 16? No, uh, it was, it was some of the guys are the same, but the band, uh, starting, uh, changing the real band that actually became famous was, uh, Playmo it's called. And we started while I was in art school. 
Got it. Got it. And so yeah. you went full speed into music, I guess, after that. I mean, getting signed by Sony, that's no small feat. Um, so so was was music then the the next big focus? Yeah, it was. I, I kept doing the both things all the time. Like that was my thing until the end of the band in 2007. Uh, I was doing uh, our, our direction and, and directing music videos and the band in the same time constantly. And because um, I, I never wanted to give up any of the things because I knew the band will not last forever. Sure. And I wanted to have something solid after that. So how did you manage to do that with the band? Because I imagine there was a ton of touring and yeah. just uh, I've, I've had one of my good childhood friends made it pretty far in the music industry. And it was just amazing how it kind of took over his life. So how did you balance that? Or how did you have any time to do anything else other than the music? You just just work harder than everybody else, I guess? No, I don't know. I mean, first of all, my band was French. So we were touring mostly in French-speaking country. Mm -hmm. uh, so we didn't have to tour the world. We, we toured in Japan and Russia and, and Eastern Europe, but we didn't have to do them crazy tour that some american bands are doing uh but we were sometimes playing five days a week uh it's just we didn't have to travel that far uh but i i was like when i was in art school the, the two years when my band was first album i was in art school i was just taking trains at night after a, tour, a show i was taking the train overnight to get back to paris to go in art school in the morning and then, you know, I might eventually take another train the same evening to meet the band somewhere else. Um, Did the other guys in the band think you were nuts? Yeah, they, they thought it was nuts. But the thing is, we kind of like the band started, like we got attention on the first album because our artworks were pretty fun and pretty cool. And uh, I think everything I learned in art school, I started to apply it right away with the band. And we had a very strong image for a young, you know, metal band. Uh, so that was, they knew, uh, that was also good for me and for the band what I was doing. That's really cool. And that's cool how you're able to kind of keep, keep the art going in the background. Like you, it's almost like you kept music in the background while you were really focused on art. And then when you really mm -hmm. focused on music, you were able to keep the art kind of simmering in the background. Yeah. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah. You have a lot of, uh, of time when you're on tour actually. And, uh, we did four albums. So a lot, like we did four tours. And and the last albums we were you know we were touring in a, a big tour bus and stuff so I had my whole set up there like computer like you know, sketchbook stuff like and I was working on other projects uh, in the meantime you have plenty of time the whole day and uh, I'm not a party guy so I don't really need to recover <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> my convenient days, my, my days were pretty long from like 8 a.m. when you wake up and you're in a different town but you have to wait until 5 p.m. before the sound check so what do you do I'm just working and that was a, a good time to you know put my um, energy that's cool and that is not the normal story you hear with rock stars <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know what the others are doing, but I'm sure everybody's doing something because the days are pretty long. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see a lot of them, you know, these guys that are big rock stars in their early 30s, and then they, they flame out, and uh, they're not a not a good sight at age 40. And uh, it seems like you're firing all – you're 40 now, right? I am. <laughs> yeah, I think you I think you took the, played the long game there. It worked out for you. Um, <laughs> so 2007, you said you you stopped the band. What what led to that decision? 
Well, so it was uh, different things, but uh, the, the first thing is that I, I again wanted to move to America. That, that was again always there, and um, the last album we we came to America to record and to do our music videos and stuff, and and so I was spending a lot of time here, and I was already traveling to Texas and all that to to take photos, doing you know documentaries. That was the thing I was doing on my free time. Uh, so my fascination for the country was more and more growing and I needed to make it happen. And, and as, a, I was mostly directing music videos back then for a lot of different bands and artists in France. And I wanted to do more. I wanted to do a film. That was the thing. So, but I, I was suffering for some reason, uh, uh in the production and like, the industry of cinema that people were saying, oh, you're the, the singer of Playmo, like you're not really a director mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and it comes back to the, what we were talking at the beginning where, who am I? You know, am I actually the singer or am I an artist? Am I a director? It's always that question. And, and I was like, you know, fuck it. I, I think I've done my time as a singer and I want to, I want to focus on, on, you know, making images and making a film and, and pushing that, that, career further so uh, we we agreed with the band that also we didn't want to become unfamous Mm -hmm. and uh we we stopped at a time where the band was still pretty big and we were doing big venues and selling records so it was pretty sad for the the fans but uh we i think it was cool to stop at that time uh we didn't experience the orders nobody tonight on the show <laughs> yeah, that that man, that takes discipline and, and guts to do that. I mean, you see whether it's musicians or athletes, most people cannot let it go and, and go past their prime. That's uh that's an impressive mm-hmm. impressive decision you made there. Uh, so in, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, it was tough, but uh, I I sometimes feel a little bad afterwards cuz I I realized I I didn't have really ask the rest of the band what really was their feeling about it. It was my decision. And from like years, I was talking about it. I was like, after the fourth album, we're stopping because I want to you know, do my stuff. I was pretty selfish about it. And I, I've been apologizing after a few years to some of the guys being like, I, I think I should have, you know, maybe just take in consideration a little bit more what you guys were feeling and uh even if everybody's playing tough and everybody was cool and yeah let's do it i'm sure you know maybe they would have kept going i don't know and um but you know i did it this way and um (laughs) it worked out yeah it did it did it did um so 2007 did you move to america then uh, not not right away. Um, so I was I was married um, back then, and um, we uh, we um, how do you say that? I expected a first child. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it was my first daughter, Shalom. She born in two thousand eight, uh, and my ex wife uh, was starting a career as a singer too, and it was starting to be pretty big uh, in France. I mean, it started work out for her, so she had no possibility whatsoever to. To move to America, I, I came to America to actually direct my first feature film in 2010. Oh, cool! Uh, with French money, uh, we we raised money with my producers, uh, and I wrote the script and uh, and we we came to Arizona to to shoot this film. Because uh, in the meantime, uh, during my travel here as a music video director, I met my actual wife Patricia. Um, 
and uh, she was a very good friend first while I was still married. We were working together all the time and she brought me to many different places in the West and she she's the one that kind of like brought me back to to this whole West thing uh, by, you know, like proposing location where we could shoot stuff and, and she grew up in Arizona so she brought me to Colorado, Arizona which is a town where she... She grew up and, and I shot music videos there and um, I was like, I love it out there. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to film there. And so going there, I, I decided I'm going to write a film and, and shooting the film in Arizona. And that's what we did in 2010. We shot this feature film. What was the name of the film? It's called Johnny Christ. Cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty crazy portraits of like uh rural america and um the film didn't release yet uh it's we, we didn't find a i guess we tried to like find shortcuts and and did it on our own because my producer were pretty like guerrilla style type of guys and yeah we do it and then we'll find distribution <laughs> and uh and we did it but the funny the, the little story about i mean the funny thing is the main actor is the actual singer of midland oh really Mark Weiss track, yeah. He, 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 I didn't know him back then, back then, but he, we casted him because we were looking for a guy that kind of looked like the the icon iconography of Jesus. Uh -huh. he, he had long hair and a beard back then, and we we hired him for the main role. And he was living in Los Angeles, and uh, we became pretty good friends. And uh, he put himself in the movie like heart and soul, and we spent two months in Arizona going through the soul amazing experience and uh yeah it, it was really fun like a fun experience a good good crew and uh one of the other main actors steve olson he was a famous skateboarder in the 80s and uh, uh jennifer nicholson the daughter of jack nicholson plays in the movie too and uh, it was fun like we were just basically came to la and uh and we were just like telling everybody hey we're making a movie <laughs> <laughs> And we know we raised, you know, we raised some some money from friends, but it wasn't, it was nothing for making a movie. It was something, but but still nothing too. And we just went, and and we didn't know what to expect, and it was pretty crazy, but it was fun. It was fun. Do you so so? It's just it's sitting somewhere, and it hasn't really been released to public yet. Is that correct? Yeah, because when we finished the film, um, we, I came back to France, and I, we we edited the film. Um, in New York with a, a, a guy that the guy, I can't remember his name. He, he's, he was the editor for a do the right thing and, and some Spike Lee movie. Oh, wow. And he was a great guy. So the, the editing was super good and we were really stoked. And then some French company started to propose us some deal. And my producer were always like, oh, that's not enough. It's going to be better. We're going to sell it to some American studio. Yeah, right. And uh, and we didn't sell it to anybody because at the end of the day, everybody was like, well, guys, you know, in France, they were like, okay, go to America if you think you're going to find a market there. And then in America, they didn't care about some French dude. <laughs> so, well, I have a feeling. I have a feeling it's going to make its way out one of these days. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I mourned it, you know, and we, I think we all did. And uh, I, that kind of, that's what made me decide I, I'm actually not going to be a director. So, cause I, I, it was a beautiful experience, but I, I figured it was a lot and, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to do another one. I didn't want to write something else and keep going. And, and especially living in Los Angeles, I was, I realized how many people want to do that. And my interest kind of like faded and I was, I, I needed 
something else in my life, something new and fresh. Um, so is that when painting came in? <laughs> well, painting, painting came like, like, yeah, I, I, so I was taking photos to document everything I was doing. And before doing the movie, I was documenting demolition derbies. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was into that thing big time. And so one of the, the main characters, Steve Olson in the film, he's a demolition derby driver. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, friend with some guys in Utah that, that are, you know, organizing demolition derbies and I was shooting that. And, and from that, I ended up going to a rodeo. Mm hmm. Because, you know, <laughs> you hang out, you know, you hang out in Oklahoma and looking for demolition derby, looking into the, you know, local newspaper and then, you know, there's nothing, but actually there's a rodeo Sunday. Let's check this out. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so here I am going to a rodeo, uh, you know, it was like 2010 and, and 2000, oh, 2011, starting, you know, taking photos in rodeo and then, oh, I love it. That's amazing. So I started like going in different rodeos and starting to follow that. Uh, but just for myself, it was like, as soon as I had free time between during mu music videos, I was going out to like shoot stuff and, and mostly rodeos. Um, and one day we were in Oklahoma at my, uh, wife, uh, dad's, um, and, and Patricia was like, well, you know, in, in town, there's this, uh, hall of fame, uh, the Western heritage museum, uh, you should check it out. Cause if you like rodeo, you're going to like that museum. And so I remember it was a morning in 2011. I went on my own because she, she already went there and her dad too. So they were not interested in going again. So I went on my own and I find myself in front of like Remington paintings and Russell and, and, and James Reynolds painting. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I missed this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I have a very... I mean, I have a very European knowledge of paintings, and, and but I had no idea of all those painters from like, you know, 1900s American pioneers. And I spent like two hours, and she called me. She's like, The barbecue's ready. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm having an epiphany right now. Uh, I'll be right there. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I just left the museum. I was out of my mind. And uh, I, I came back and I told her, I was like, I need to do that. I want to paint. I want to paint the West because there's everything in those paintings that talk to me. And uh, from, you know, the landscape, the lights, the, the way it's painted, what it tells, the myth, the everything. Uh, and... Patricia was like, well, cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy you liked it. And, uh, and so a year, a year or two passed and I kept doing music videos and all that. And, um, but the idea was in my head. I was like, every Sunday I was like, I have to stop music video. I need to start painting. <laughs> and I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. until the day I, I told Patricia, I was like, uh, we're going to leave Los Angeles and I'm, I'm we're going to go to you like your mom. And I'm going to start painting Cowboy. And we were directing music videos together. So that was kind of tough for her because she was like, but what are we doing with music videos? I was like, well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> and, and so we moved to Arizona and um, we, I, I went to the art store and bought a bunch of canvas. And I, I took a photo of a, a friend that I had. I dressed him as a cowboy and 
I, I went to this lady I knew from music video that owns a couple of horses and I had my friend holding the horse. He's not even on the horse because he wasn't a cowboy at all. <laughs> <laughs> He's just holding the horse. And, and I just took photos of him and then I went back home and, and used the photo as reference and stopped my first painting. Wow. And uh, it was in the shack of my, my mother-in-law. And, and I remember Patricia and her mom coming to check out what I was doing. And so they're like, so what, what is it? I'm like, well, it's a cowboy. <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, I'll see you. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was, I think from the outside, it was pretty crazy, like, like in me doing, like, because I was deciding I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. That's mm-hmm. And I, I opened an Instagram account and I started to post a couple of paintings I was doing. I was also doing some drawings with like ink and Native Americans that I found in some, books that i had and just i just wanted to do it just i it was it was pouring out of me i needed to and uh i i started posting on instagram and um one or two months after that i drove back to la to go to the rose bowl flea market and uh there's my friend john dennis who's a hat maker um his name is sam roberts on instagram mm-hmm. He was there and he's like, dude, I had no idea you, you, you were drawing and doing stuff like that. It's cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. It's like, I, I know a guy that actually got a hat from me. His name is Logan. He's pretty big in the game and you guys should connect. And I'm like, okay. So I, I, I looked at Logan's stuff and it was like amazing. I'm like, damn. So I guess he linked us on Instagram and I didn't hear from Logan for a month, I think. And then I was in Miami to actually shoot another music video because I was I had to keep doing a little bit because I wasn't making zero money with yeah it. yeah yeah but I had to keep doing some and I was in Miami shooting and I received an email from Logan and he's like hey you know um, we we have a gallery in Los Angeles my brother and um, would you like to come meet us because we saw your work and I think we're interested in working with you wow I jumped on my chair and I was like. Whoa! <laughs> and how so how long had you been focused on it was two months <laughs> two months and what year was this because it was uh early 2014 wow because uh, i moved to arizona september 2013 and we yeah the first months i didn't do anything so i basically started a paint in november so november december and then yeah january i was in miami for that that campaign thing <laughs> And I received that that message from Logan. So I came back to LA and I, I, I grabbed my three, four paintings I had and I put them in the car and I went to Los Angeles. And um, I, I met them at the gallery and they they looked at the paintings and we talked a little bit and I had no idea what they wanted. And and I see Bo, he, he's taking a, his, his checkbook and he's like, how about we buy them and to prove you we want to work with you. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally broke you know i was like, i was so stoked and i i left the gallery and they were like okay so now you know if you can give us like two or three more paintings for next month that'll be awesome and i was like yeah you'll have the paintings for sure and i i drew i i left the gallery and i called patisha and i was like i got a check <laughs> could you believe it i bet you thought you were having a dream uh, yeah, exactly. It's I mean, for the whole thing, it was I, I couldn't believe that that could work this way, and um, and so yeah, I drove back to Arizona and started painting and and 
you know, start posting stuff on Instagram and got so motivated and and then they they brought my painting to Montana for like a group show and and then from there, you know, uh, and Logan really helped me so much to like make the right moves and then he talked about me to Joe Peters Gallery in Santa Fe. And uh, and so the same thing. That was April. The guy from Joe Peters called me. He's like, "Hey, would you like to come and show me some of your work? How about in a month?" And I'm like, oh, "God, That's like huge pressure because this gallery is insane." And I was like, "Damn!" And so I painted three paintings and I drove there, met the guy. Same. He put the painting on the floor and looked at them for ten minutes without a word. And and then he's like, "Yeah, take him." Yeah, <laughs> <Take> him, victory. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, and then from there I started snowballing, and and I think Instagram really helped me to like you know build a community and and get attention from a lot of people, and it was it was really great. Yeah, Instagram is how how I initially came across you, and um, your work really stands out on there. I, I've, I've said that to some of the the other artists that I've interviewed, and well, you know, it's amazing to me how people are able to make their work stand out among the thousands, hundreds, thousands, millions of pictures on there, you know, that people scroll through, but, um, something about, you know, yours are, are just so stunning. And one of the things that caught my eye the first time I looked at it were the clouds. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get that comment a lot. Um, how did you, how did you even, it's a kind of a stupid question, but how did you learn how to do clouds like that? It's, it's, I mean, they look, they look like photographs and I've never seen anybody else be able to paint clouds that well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I don't know actually. Uh, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I've I've because even in Disney they they told us some technique for like blending stuff and uh, but I wasn't really painting clouds when I was there. Um, I just started painting clouds when I painted cowboys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is uh, yeah, well, the first image I, I've done with clouds. I I remember you know painting them and they were a little rough and then. You know, the second painting when I put cloud, I'm like, well, one before you can actually see the brush strokes and I need to like blend that better. And, and a cloud can't be, um, uh, I don't know how you say that, but a cloud is so, it's it's vapor. It's, it's nothing. So it has to be super subtle and very light and very fresh. And so you have to be so... Um, gentle with the way you you put the paint in it so I just figured it out but like watching the clouds and then just trying to make it as real as possible and uh, starting taking photos of clouds as soon as as much as I could when I was in Arizona I was cool because I had a mountain right behind the house so there was always like like thunderheads and stuff out there so I got a lot of good reference from that time um so, so when you showed up, uh, you know, in, in America, I, I think one of the things that's unique about your work, obviously, is that you're you're an outsider. You know, you're not from the West, whereas some of these, a lot of Western artists, they grew up there. They've been here for five or six generations. And I think you've got a, an advantage in coming in with a unique perspective because you're not from here and it's all new. What what kind of how has being new to the West influenced your work uh, compared to say some of your peers who grew up here? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's there's probably pros and cons, um, and I I can feel it. And I've been you know really working hard to try to uh, fill up the how do you say the, the 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 missing thing or the 
the the lack of, of culture that I could have uh, in in the West in, in cowboy culture. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, I arrived with with passion and mm -hmm. and with with because it's something that I, I love since I'm a kid and, and and the westerns and and the cowboy movies and all that. It's it's really so that was the main thing. It's it's my fascination and my my will to to do it just because i love it there is no more reason than that yep and of course at the beginning i had some guys because i did mistakes you know in my paintings i would put the rope on the wrong side or you know paint a saddle that's like not a good saddle or or you know do things that you know a cowboy will laugh at it when you see it and i had no idea mm -hmm. and i understand some people got you know a little aggressive about it like hey dude you know if you got to do that do it right and it, it, i was like okay I'll, i'm gonna do my best but there's a lot to grab to 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 gather and uh, there's a lot to to understand and because it's it's not just about the, the the gears and all that it's also about the way i paint so my 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 concern is is a lot about good composition good light good things but then yeah you have to to make sure everything is right um so it, it took me a minute to really read as much as I can, go out there, spend time with, with horses, with cowboys, uh, as much as I can, even if I, I would love to spend way more time. But the time on the easel is so big that it's hard for me to be like, oh, I'm going to go for a week and just, you know, ride. I can't do it. I'm mm -hmm. not, hopefully in the future, but now uh, I can't. Uh, but so I do what I can to uh, actually yeah, um, get everything right and and uh, yeah. I feel like being humble and being able to work hard is kind of a universal language, and I think that is is very um, it's valued here in the West. And I'm you know I'm not from here. I'm from the East Coast, and my whole family's been on the East Coast forever, or since the you know 1600s or whatever, and. Well, I think when I arrived, I felt like somewhat of an outsider, but I think a lot of these people, particularly in the ranching world, and they, they'll they accept anybody as long as they're humble and willing to work hard. And it sounds like that's, you, you obviously work very hard and you're obviously humble in learning their culture to be able to paint it correctly. So mm -hmm. I think that, that says a lot about, about you. Um, I've, I saw a, I think it was a clip on YouTube or somewhere where you were talking about a Native American painting that you did and how you went out to the reservation and spent time with them to make sure you, you got it right. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that and just kind of your process for ensuring that these things are historically accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of people asking me, you know, why don't you paint more native Americans? Uh, and I answer that first of all, my, my, my encounter with, with Western art was cowboys. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, my culture for Native American was very poor, and uh, and my interest also. I, I didn't have interest back back when I was a kid by the Indians. I was I was into the cowboys. What what I don't know. It's just the way it was. And uh, but then yeah, when I started to study American history and all that, then you know you you start facing the reality of everything, and it changed my mind a lot about a lot of things. And uh, but I figured that um, as a French white man, I, I would be it would be hard to just come up and, and be like, oh, I'm just gonna start painting native uh, just because it's cool. Uh, they look cool. They have cool clothes. <laughs> I can't do that. Like it's impossible. I, I'm I'm way too uh, 
uh, how do you say? I don't know. Uh, Integre in French, but I don't have the word. Uh, anyway, I, I couldn't do it. So I, I was like, if I start paying native first of all, I have to meet some because I have to get the stories and uh, I have to bound with, with, with some and, and, and start feeling a connection. It's, it's important for me because I, I can't paint what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I went to um, different places i went to the havasupai reservation uh i went you know um monument valley i spent time there met some guys did some horse rides and then i went to kansas uh where i met um some lakota and uh that was a very i went twice and i met a bunch of really cool guys uh one guy i met his name's moses and uh he's um He's, an, he's a Lakota chief, and he he just I I didn't spend that much time with him, but the time I spent with him, just hear him talking about he always has stories about everything and, and wise words, and uh, it's been really amazing. And then I, I've been t- able to photograph him on a horse. He is an amazing horse rider, and um, that really when I went back home with all my photos and this experience, uh, I start feeling like, yeah, maybe now I can, you know, envision uh, maybe one painting. Uh, and uh, I, I started working on one piece um, of just, you know, Crow, Crow Indians. Um, and it took me so much time yeah. to, make, to make research about every little detail. Um, that I, I was, I was so drawn into it, and and it was fascinated, but very exhausting uh, to like get it right and making sure when the image released, they're not somebody that's like gonna text me and like, dude, that's possible. <laughs> what did you put on this guy's head? It's the wrong feather, and you know, I, it was really scary. But I, you know, I checked a lot, and I, I have a. I, there's a guy in France. He's a, he's a comic artist. I think he's in his 60s or something like that. Michel Blanc Dumont is an amazing, and he's a specialist of Native American, but like super, super, super sharp. And so I sent him my my image before painting it, like my Photoshop mockup, and he helped me, like you know, changing stuff and then uh, making sure everything was right. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was the only one I've done so far. And then I just did last year, I did a little painting for the, uh, the Dakota pipeline. Uh, I just helped, uh, I, I give the money to uh, a foundation that was helping, uh, a ra- raising, um, funding for, you know, the standing rock. Got it. Um, that, that was just a, a little, little piece, nothing crazy. Cool. Um, one other question about your art. I'm always interested in artists' process. You know what their day looks like. Um, some treat it like a nine to five job, and they show up and they just get to work every day. Some wait for inspiration to hit them. How? What? What does your day look like? And do you have any a process for for creating these paintings? Um, yeah, my day are pretty busy work. Uh, I, I'm very. I wake up very early, like you know, usually five thirty six. Um, and I, I go to work out in the morning, uh, from like until like seven, seven thirty. I work out and, uh, come back from work out. I get my breakfast going. I call my daughters on FaceTime. Uh, and then I start painting around nine, nine thirty, And I paint until usually six. Wow. 
and I paint all day. I take like one or two naps a day for like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I nap with a timer. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you'd, you'd be napping for hours, I guess. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But I just know that I need to sleep like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, I do a, two breaks in a day of 15 minutes nap just to like get back. Um, and uh, sometimes when it's really hot in LA in the summer, I even, you know, take a shower after each nap just to get it going again. It's like give you a new breath in the day because yeah, yeah there's so much time spent on the painting that, uh, but then there's also an attention that you can, on, I couldn't paint more than that a day because uh, then you just start messing up oh yeah that's a long time man that's impressive i mean i don't know i paint you know between six to eight hours a day and uh i don't paint on sunday sometimes i paint on saturday but not not all the time um last year my daughters were living in la so i i spend more time with them than uh on the weekends and stuff and i was going to pick them up at school every day so i was kind of like breaking my days Sure. But I, I figured it out. Now they're back to fr- in France, so I, I have my days. I'm just spending my weekends and evenings with my wife. How uh, much? Um, if you do not exercise in the morning, does that does that really mess up your ability to uh, to paint all day? I know with me, exercise first thing is mandatory, and if I don't do it, my whole day is is much more of a challenge than it should be. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I I, I really started to go back in shape. Uh, like six months ago, because after you know a few years of painting, I was starting to get really like like softy and, and <laughs> like yeah, it happens. <laughs> Having back problems and neck problems and headaches from like neck pain and stuff like that, and and I went to the doctor like what's wrong with me, and I just realized that I was getting older and I needed to do something. And mm-hmm. So or I, I was running every morning, but I guess it wasn't enough. Uh, so I started to just go to the gym and now I'm, I'm going to the gym pretty much every day and, and just not the weekend, but uh, I really, I need it. I, I need it. It's impossible otherwise now. Yeah. Uh, same here. I, I need it for the physical aspect. And I need it for the mental aspect. And, yeah, same. Yeah. It just makes you feel good. It really does. It's pretty amazing. And it's uh-huh. pretty alarming how many people do not exercise. I feel like it, it, Everybody needs to in one way or the other. It's not, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the greatest, funnest thing in the world, but man, the, the benefits are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we've already been talking for like an hour. And so it, I had this long <laughs> list of questions and <laughs> we'll have to do a part two at some point. But um, I had these, uh, ra- these kind of rapid fire, quick questions that I've been asking everybody and I've gotten really interesting answers and it's fun to compare them. And so I want to run through a few of those with you and then I'll let you get back to your important work. Um, but do you have any favorite books that you've recommended to people or that are particularly special to you about the American West or really about any subject at all? Mm. Well, I've been, uh, when I say reading now, it's wrong. I should say listening. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I unfortunately have no time to be sitting on my couch reading, but <laughs> I have a lot of time to listen. So I'm, I'm listening to audiobook all the time. Uh, and I, I started like three years ago with Desert Solitaire, mm-hmm. of course, which is a classic that was recommended to me by my friend, uh, Jeremy Lipkin. And, uh, from Desert Solitaire, I, I started, uh, you know, listening to so many others about, uh, you know, preservation and, and the, the West and, um, I don't know, just 
really enjoyed. Did you read the Sun Spring? I did a long time ago, and my wife uh, used to work in the environmental world, and so that was kind of the Bible for for all of her colleagues. And so, so I, yeah. I need to reread it. Uh, also, an American idea: the making of the National Park by Kim Hecox. You you read that? No, I have not read that, but right. I'll add it to the list. Yeah, and uh, what else? I'm listening to Miracle Mile right now. <laughs> the Emerald Mile. Yeah, the uh, Emerald Mile. Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I had Duke Beardsley on here, and he called it the Miracle Mile as well. <laughs> um, but that's a great book. There's an area in LA right by my place. It's Miracle Mile. Yeah. <laughs> the Mile. It's amazing. I had no idea this whole like thing with the dam and I, I, oh my god, it's I'm I'm into it right now. I'm just loving it. Yeah, that's a really really good one. That's one of the best ones I've read in a while. Um, I'll be interested to see what that guy writes next because i think that was his first big time book and uh, it mm-hmm. was just so good mm-hmm. um well yeah those are great i'll, I'll add those to the list um uh, read lessoing the sun yeah that's that huh? yeah. which which one was that lessoing the sun no i have not read that either uh yeah it's from uh, mark woods cool uh, mark or eric woods or mark woods lessoing the sun yeah it's a guy like bringing his family to I mean, he was trying to escape like the everyday life and he, they're doing a year with his family in all the national park. And so it's like, you know, talking about, you know, relationships and family, but mostly also the elements and all that. It's, it's really cool. Very cool. I'd never even heard of that. I'll add that one too. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have links for people listening. I'll have links uh, to all okay. these in the notes so you can click through and, and get them. Okay. Um, oh, this will be a good one for you. Do you have any favorite documentaries or films? Uh, of course I do. Yeah. Related, related to the West, uh, I have to say that I really enjoyed the unbranded one, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really amazing. And uh, I've, I've tried to get in touch with them, even when they were in it, because uh, my my dream would have been to try to meet them somewhere, and, you know, do a couple of pictures and maybe do some paintings from it, but uh, it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was a really great one. But uh, I I also listened to a, a lot of PBS documentary on YouTube. But that old, more, more like old stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the making of the railroad or the Indian Wars or you know all those. I'm I'm really into those like all historical things because I, I there's a lot to learn about American history, and um, I'm I'm really trying to make it my priority to to learn a lot about it and. and become specialist <laughs> yeah same here man it's uh, but my problem is the more i learn the real the more i realize i don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> i know it's always bringing you to something new and you're like oh my god yeah <laughs> um what yeah. is your favorite location in the west is there one particular place it could be a town a particular ranch you've been on um some landmark like the grand canyon is there anywhere that stands out as your absolute favorite place uh, it's hard because they're all good yeah different reason but uh i would say um i would say a, a sunset on dead horse point is something yeah uh, i really like the canyon land park a lot i do too uh, also because it's a little less touristy in some time than the grand canyon uh, but i mean the grand canyon is 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 also insane uh, i really like monument valley uh, it's less known. Like I feel like a lot of people. I mean, especially here in LA, we're gonna talk about Monument Valley. A lot of people haven't been, mm-hmm. and to me, it's such an iconical place. And and there's there's 
an atmosphere when you're out there is something incredibly strong that comes from the earth that is you can feel when you spend time there and you're a little bit out and you don't hear anybody or you don't see any cars it's it's amazing i recommend that place yeah i need to spend more time down there in the in the southwest you know moab canyonlands arches all those places they're just they're just so great um yeah yeah um and this will be an interesting one. What is the most powerful experience you've ever had in the outdoors? And by powerful, I could, it could be scary, memorable, funny, all of the above. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I've had a bunch, but um, in terms of like strong, um, I would say actually that's funny because I was just talking about Monument Valley and um, I was painting a plein air in Monument Valley. Um, and I was alone with a friend of mine, but he was just driving. He wasn't painting. And we, we kind of like took the car and went somewhere a little out and it was not a high season. So it was pretty empty. And I was, I was painting and at a certain moment, there's been like a silent that just happened, but it was more than silence. Mm -hmm. It was almost felt like I was not in this world anymore. And I turned around after three seconds of what the hell? And I looked at my buddy and he was pretty far from me, but I waited for like two seconds. And then I was like, did you hear that? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And we don't know what happened, but we both heard the silence. That's it weird. Insane. It was in everything stopped, but more than just oh, there's no noise. It was stronger, and it came from deep. It was insane, and uh, so that's why I'm talking always about Monument Valley as a as a trippy place because I experienced that there. It was like wow. Yeah, that it, sounds intense. Yeah, it was intense, and. Uh, Another time I told a different adventure, but I got one of the most scary things I've experienced. I've, I've been uh, uh, followed by uh, people who threatened to kill us. Really? By people? Yeah, people. Like three people. It was a super crazy story. Uh, back when I was doing documentaries, uh, I mean, when I was shooting people, um, we were in a... It wasn't a... It, is a Texas story okay or, or it's not? It's yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Especially if it involves death threats. <laughs> I mean, it was it was not even Texas. It was Louisiana. We were, we were close to a place called La Pointe Coupe in Louisiana. What, what and, part of Louisiana? Like, is that southwest? So La Pointe Coupe is between Lafayette and um, it's like south of Lafayette. Okay, yeah, I've spent some time in Louisiana and have I got yeah. a, I got a but book full of crazy stories from there. Oh yeah, by the Mississippi, and uh, it's funny because uh, La Pointe Coupe in French means uh, the tip cut. Hmm. And, and so we were there and we were just hanging out trying to find some interesting people to portrait that was the idea and we, we run up to this like guys they were just drinking beer on their truck and there's like an interesting girl with them like interesting looking uh and we we're like stopping and we're like hey guys would you you know be cool like if we we take photos of you or you know just <laughs> i had like a camera and so it was before internet and all that yeah and so the, 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 yeah, it was a little different. People were not like, what are you going to do with it? Put him on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> it was 
So uh, the guys were cool. We're like, well, we, we, you know, we pay you. We we pay sometimes like fifty bucks or. And they're like, oh, you don't need to do that. Just you know, grab us some beers. So we bought them beer. We go by the Mississippi border, and it was a nice light. And I'm starting to shoot. I mostly wanted to shoot this girl because she was really interesting looking. Not like hot looking, but very yeah. like something on the face. So I started to take photos and stuff. And um, that's cool. We're done. Like, okay, well, we're about to go and. Uh, and uh, my friend uh, gave his number to the girl. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the three guys, I guess, checked this out. And uh, we're leaving. And like 10 minutes after we're gone, the telephone rings. And it's the girl. And she's like, um, you guys you need to come back and pay us. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, we, we you know, we're, we're, we, we said we wanted to pay you, but you didn't want to. You said you wanted beer. So we bought you some beers and and so now we're leaving and she's like no it's not possible you have to come back right away and we're like okay right so we hang off the phone she's calling again so we stop answering and then all of a sudden we're on a small road there's a car passing us and it's them (laughs) in a truck like in a movie you know yeah and we're like fuck so my my friend like take a first turn on the road and they are coming back in another road in front of us and I'm like, shit, and they keep calling and stuff. And so we're turning at some point. And the girl calls back and she's like, that's a dead end, fucker. <laughs> and we start driving and it becomes a dirt road and a private property. And we start driving through. Like, don't, like a private property, like, don't trespass. We yeah, start, yeah. Uh, start driving with her, like, rental car in, like, a dirt road. <laughs> of course, back then, we just had those, like, has the massive gps on the dashboard you know like and so the gps has no more connection anything and we start driving through and we ended up like exiting from the other side and arriving on another place and a gas station and we exit the car and we thought maybe you know they were gone and we were so scared like, there's the i filmed we had a little TV camera and I filmed the whole thing we were thinking it was there and, uh, <laughs> so they didn't find us again that day, but my friend kept having phone calls from those people for a year holy cow sometimes the guy was like calling and he's like dude i know where you leave i'm gonna end your life and, <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> that was fun Louisiana, you know but that was before the painting and all that so it's not really no bad. that's a good story and and i've spent time down there and that, that I, I believe every word of it um i i was I was very scared for my life a few times down there. I mean, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. All right. Well, um, so last question that I generally ask people is um, if you could make a request of the people who listen to this and it's people who love the American West, um, and whether it's through art, athletics, ranching, conservation, um, if you could offer some words of advice or ask something of them Do you, does anything come to mind other than don't ask for don't get girls numbers in the backwoods of louisiana <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't know if i can advise anything uh but um yeah the only thing i would say is uh let, let's try to connect all together more and uh let's try to do things together more i feel like there's there's a lot of people with the same interest and and i still think there is not enough 
Don about uh, you know I don't know like we were talking last night with Stephen when we did we did a show two years ago in LA that called it was called Far West mm-hmm. and we just got together and there was uh, also Corey his name is Bandit photographer on Instagram and uh, we invited um, a Bree from uh, New Mexico her name is Palomino Chimino on Instagram uh, everybody like photographer Patricia was in the show too we just got all together and, and decided to. You know, put images on on the wall that us that were connected with the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that in LA. Like three hundred people showed up. That's awesome. So many people. We had no idea, but uh, just people were like stoked that you know something related to the West was happening in LA, and, and it's because it's not enough. And and yesterday, same. I was talking with Stephen about maybe doing workshop in his land, and you know, bringing cowboys there and. There is so many things we can do to, you know, just keep it alive and, and make things happen and, and share experiences. And uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, so really something Patricia and I want to do in the future is maybe getting a place somewhere in the West and, and, and starting, you know, doing stuff like creating special events, special things where creative, creative stuff, um, where people can get together and, and make things happen, whatever they are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's my message. So like that say. sounds great, and, and maybe he, the Stephen that that he's referring to is Stephen Smith, who I interviewed a while yes. back. And uh, you know, maybe you could team up with Stephen on his ranch property because that could be a, a cool place yeah. for something like that to happen. Exactly. That that that's the idea. That's the idea. Awesome. Well, um, I know you've got an art show coming up, a solo art show. So I'd love to, you for you to tell people about that, and then tell people how they can connect with you either online or on social media. Yeah, so my Instagram is Mark Majori. Uh, I guess it will be written on the podcast. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's that's my Instagram. And uh, I'm going to advertise a lot for the show I've already started. Um, I recommend, I mean, I hope people from LA will be able to make it. We're trying to make it special. I'm going to bring, I have a big bucket with probably uh, 500 brushes that are used in it because I've never threw a brush. I always <laughs> put it in a bucket. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring the bucket to the show and people will be free to grab one. Cool. Uh, so the fun stuff like that. And uh, we're going to have, you know, posters for sale at the show. I'm going to bring some uh, postcards to like just uh, taken for free uh, with my artwork on it. And of course, the original paintings will be on display. Um, but yeah, the show is going to be a nice event. I hope uh, people can make it. It's December 9th. Awesome, and I'll have links to that. But, man, thank you so much. This is really fun. Great to chat with you. I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you in person one of these days. Yeah, yeah, same here. Okay, thank you so much, man, for the time. Hey, it's Ed again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and thanks for listening to that particular episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Before you go, I've got three quick things. Number one, if you like the podcast, please do me a huge favor. Either pass it along to a friend who may be interested, share it on your social media, and or go to iTunes and give it a five-star review. All those things would mean a lot to me, and they would really help to spread the word about the podcast. Number two, if you've listened to many of these episodes, you know that I love reading and I love talking about books. Every other month, I send out a quick email with a few books that I've recently read and highly recommend. The subjects are varied, but they're pretty much all nonfiction with an emphasis on history, biographies, adventure narratives, and topics related to the American West. There are no sales pitches for ranches, no spam, no other kind of nonsense, just books. 
So if you'd like to sign up for the list, head to Mountain and Prairie slash reading, or just go to Mountain and Prairie and there's a massive tab at the top that says book recommendations. Click on it. There are a ton of good books that I've read. Some of the old email lists are on there. Uh, you can go crazy. There are a lot of books. And finally, if you know anyone I should interview for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. All my contact info is at mountainandprairie.com, and I'm on all the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to have some recommendations and suggestions of interesting people I should meet. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.